So we, um, last, not last Sunday, the Sunday before, we finished our uh, study of the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. It has been a wonderful, wonderful um, couple of weeks that we spend time looking at each fruit and trying to understand how it relates to us, how it works in our life today. Because we are here, these fruits are given to us by Jesus Christ as we read and they're given to us so that God can get and receive the glory. And just trying to piece them together in our lives and uh, identify how they work, how they apply to you and I um, in the 21st century. Yeah, we are born in this century. We, we live now. We live in this country. We live in these times. We are certain ages. God has allowed for us to be here for whatever purpose that he has for us. And these are the parts of the nuggets that he's kind of given us to, to help us to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we finished that two weeks ago and uh, we're going to jump back into our uh, study of the book of Philippians. But before we do that, I want to just recap um, kind of what, where we started with the book of Philippians last, last year when we uh, opened up, um, started the church in August the 1st, um, 2021. And um, we learned a few things about this, this book from Paul. Uh, and some of the things that we learned were this. Um, the first was that gratitude is a main part of prayer. Gratitude should be a main part of our prayer. So when we pray, we should be ones who are grateful to God, grateful for life, grateful for Clara Bell and, and what's happened there and what God is doing there. Uh, so when you approach God with our needs, with our wants, with our, everything that we kind of have, we look to him with our thankful hearts. This is what Paul was teaching us and showed us. And then... Um, we also understood from verse 6 that um, salvation, which we enjoy because of Jesus' death on the cross and then him being resurrected, is initiated by God. He started it in our lives and uh, he continues it. He is continuing it in our lives today and he will bring it to completion. So when our time is up on earth and he calls us home, whether he comes before for the world, or he calls us home before he comes for the world, it is him who will bring it to completion. So we have nothing to worry about. We have nothing to be scared of. We have, um, in fact, things to look forward to. Because he started it, and he who started a good uh, work in us is faithful and will bring it to completion. Uh, Paul says that he's confident that he started it in verse 6. And the question we asked was, how can Paul be so confident well, and the answer was that um, because God doesn't start something and just leave it halfway, does just abandon it. He's, whatever he starts, he says will bring to completion. And that's the hope that we have. That's the encouragement that we have, that he who started a good work in us and in others will bring it to completion. So guess what? Those family friends of yours who you're praying for, those who were, uh, were saved or have been saved and maybe they've walked away from, the, from serving God, the, the path that he has chosen for, um, for them, actually our responsibility is to believe what Paul says in verse 6 of Philippians 1, 
is that he, God started a good work in them. They, he initiated salvation and he will continue working it out. So whatever, even if they're going wayward, even if they're going the other way that we think they shouldn't be going, actually our responsibility is to pray for them. But God is busy at work. God is busy at work. We don't have to labor. We can labor in prayer. We can cry for them and those things are good. But actually it's God who's doing the work. And that's, it takes the pressure off of us. So we don't have to babble, bash, and you know how, how we, we kind of can become. Actually, we pray. We ask God to help, to continue doing what He needs to do through their lives. Because He created them, and if He created them, it means that He has a purpose for them. And if, if He has a purpose for them, He will see it that it comes to pass. And that's the confidence that we have in Him, the hope that we have in Him. We also learn that um, we as Christians defend the gospel with our lips, so I preach with my lips, but actually we confirm the gospel um, with our lives. So it's, remember the whole that, that uh, famous statement, practice what you preach, because people watch what you do. I can say one thing, but then act in a different way. Those things need to, need to agree. I cannot say I love you, but then I act as though I hate you. We've got to practice what we preach, we learned. But in all of that, we also understood that actually in all of this stuff, we need God's help. It's hard to believe that he who began a good work is still busy with the work in our lives, in, our, in my life, in your life, in your friends and family's life. Especially when you see the, the lives that seem as though it's, he's not doing any work. Actually, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to see that He is doing something. To see and realize that it's not us, but it's Him. We need Him. We need Him to help us daily. So that, that's where we ended in, in verse uh, um, 11 of uh, Philippians 1. Then we jumped to Galatians 5, trying to understand these fruits of the Spirit. And we learned a few things there. Galatians 5, lists the nine fruits of the Spirit that um, uh, are listed on, in the book. And the first one is this thing of love. Love. And we learn that the, the badge of Christian discipleship is not witnessing or manifesting a gift of the Spirit, but the production of divine love. The production of divine love. So actually... We need love. Love is a supreme gift. It's the one that kind of binds all the other gifts together. Without love, what are we? What are we doing? You're like a resounding gong, just hollow, just making noise, but you've got no love. Love binds everything together. The second fruit was joy. We, we asked the question, how do you and I remain joyful irrespective of circumstances? Whatever's happening in our lives, whether you, this is going down or whatever, whether it's positive or negative, mainly negative. I mean, how do you remain positive when, when things are negative? And uh, we, we understood that the only way to remain positive is by yielding to the Holy Spirit, yielding to the Word of God, learning, understanding, placing yourself in, in His, in the, the spiritual realm where He has called us to be. And we don't look, we look at things through the eyes of faith rather than the physical eyes. We see things are falling apart. How do we remain um, joyful, respective of uh, circumstances? By yielding to the Holy Spirit. 
Then the third fruit was peace. We uh, learned and understood that the spiritual believer can sit down on the inside and has a sense of inner state of rest in the face of adversity. It is an inner calm that, calm, that comes from the Holy Spirit. The fourth fruit was long-suffering. We asked, how does it look in our lives? How does it relate to you and I? And we learned that the spiritual believer has a sense of calm in the face of provocation. So you've been attacked, there's, provoca- there's all sorts of things happening, but you have a sense of calmness in your, in your, in your life. It's a, it's a capacity to, to defer anger. So when you can be angry, but you've got the capacity to actually not be angry, to defer that anger, to suppress that anger in some ways. Then we learned about the, f- the fifth fruit, kindness. And we learned that the kind person cares about others more than themselves. And I said, man, I battle with that one. To care for you more than I care for myself is a difficult thing. But again, as you yield to the Holy Spirit, as you yield to God's ways, so he helps you and I to be able to care for you than I, more than I care for myself. The sixth fruit was goodness. I love this one, goodness. And uh, what we learned about goodness is that it's a moral excellence. It is a generosity of, uh, of the soul that benefits others. Goodness is an act of grace towards someone else. The seventh one was faithfulness. We learned that faithfulness is the quality that renders a person trustworthy or reliable. Which is God's character. God is trustworthy. God is reliable. God is never changing. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. So we can hold on to him. What he says is. We don't have to, he doesn't wave and, and he doesn't change. It's not like, oh man, the sun is shining today so he's happy. Or the sun's not shining today so he's not happy. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. We learned that about him. Then the the eighth fruit was gentleness. And we learned that a meek person does not try to make deals with God. He views himself as worth nothing before God. And can you and I really stand and say, actually, I know I am worth nothing before God. But because of his love, like the songs we sang this morning, he's given us life. He's given us everything that we have. And because of his love, he makes us a delight upon before him. And we are almost worth everything to him because of his love. Because he wants us to serve him. Because he wants us to follow him. This person um, who's gentle does not fight God's will. He knows that everything he or she has comes from God. Everything, the very... Uh, fact that we are alive today is because of God and His goodness. And then we finished off with the last one, to self-control. And there we understood that biblical self-control is the concentration of the power of the Spirit toward the end of doing God's will in our lives. And so those are God's uh, character that's Jesus, remember we have been transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ daily. 
And therefore, we're becoming more like Him. And as we become more like Him, then guess what? God gets the glory because I am representing Him. You are representing Him daily. Uh, and that's God's doing. It's not us. We learned that from Galatians 5.22. And that was a nice little uh, study of, of the fruits. And how it applies to us. And I was speaking. I don't know if I'm allowed to be um, um, open and vulnerable in front of uh, Malcolm. But um, he said to me, I'm another, uh, he's human like you and I. <laughs> so when we spoke about self-control, the next day I saw him and he says to me, Joe, you know, this thing of self-control. So if you have to measure it, if this is the length, it starts here. He is probably very close to where it's not really very good. And then he says, but this was like at quarter to eight. And he said, at eight o'clock, when work starts, this line moves <laughs> further away from where it's supposed to be. And you know, the beauty is that it, we are all a work in, in progress. Uh, so for Malcolm, it's true, and it is true for me and all of us. We get, get faced with all sorts of situations. But it's our responsibility to recognize those things and then ask the Holy Spirit as we yield to him to help us to become the characters that Jesus um, exhibits through us. Malcolm, I hope that's okay. Um, so today we jump back to the book of Philippians, like I said, and we will look at Philippians 1 and verse 11. And this is where the looking at the fruits of the Spirit uh, in Galatians came from, and this is what it says, Philippians 1 verse 11. It says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I think in some ways that's quite self-explanatory. Um, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ uh, to the glory and praise of God. This is which are by Jesus Christ. The, the word by there means through. These fruits are by or through Jesus Christ. Um, he produces these fruits in us, in our lives, so that God can get the glory. So it's not so much us but him doing the work in us as he continues to do what he needs to do to, to transform us into the image and likeness of, of um, his son, uh, his son then works these things in us and we are able to have those fruits of uh, the Spirit, those nine that I just uh, mentioned. So the word by means they're through. It's Jesus Christ. It's through Him. It's not apart from Him. It's not beside Him. It's through Him in us that He produces these fruits in our lives to the glory and praise of God. So your life that exhibits such traits is to the glory and praise of God. God produces these fruits, so God gets the glory. He produces them, He gets the glory. If God does the doing, well then God gets the glory. You see, the, the fruitfulness Jesus produces in our lives glorifies God. We see that in John 15 verse 8. It says, by this my Father is glorified. This is John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, 
and so prove to be my disciple. It's almost implying that you, you, if God saves you, if you're a believer, you have to bear some sort of fruit. And as you bear those fruits, so you're proving that you are God's disciples, you're Jesus' disciples. And you see that by the fruits that we bear. The fruit, fruitfulness Jesus produces in, in our lives glorify God, like I said. And in John 15, verse 8, there, there are three um, kinds of Christians here. There are those who bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. But there's no such thing as no fruit in the Christian. So actually, if you're born again, if you're a believer, you have to be bearing some sort of fruit. This is God's desire. Because of what the son, his son did on the cross for you and I, it enables us to bear fruit in our lives so that God, the Father, can get the glory and praise that's due to his name. If a person is a believer, there is going to be fruit. The question I have to ask this morning, where are we at? Is what fruit are we bearing in our lives? Remembering that it's actually us allowing Him to bear fruit in us. It's not us doing it ourselves. It's not us manufacturing these fruits as we read in Galatians 5.22. All these, it's not us, it's Him in us. But if you're saved, there has to be some sort of fruit. There's no such thing as no fruit for the Christian who's saved. Why? Because each fruit that we exhibit glorifies God. It points back to God. There are areas in your life where you can testify that uh, God has allowed you to bear fruit. And as you testify that, you can say, actually, it wasn't me. Me in my, in my old ways, in my uh, BC days, the days that I wasn't saved, this was never, I could never behave like this. It could never be. But because of what God has done, He has called me into His kingdom of, of uh, light. I'm able to be different. I'm able to exhibit the fruit that He's put in my life. And that fruit then gives God the Father the glory. Isn't that amazing? It almost takes away again the pressure of, I have to, have to, have to do. No, you don't have to do anything other than just, Father, I'm yours. Hey, work in me. Do what you need to do. You know, um, so that, I, that you can receive your glory, the glory that's due to your name. 1 Peter 4.11 says this, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man ministers, let him do it as um, the ability which God gives him. If any man ministers, let him do it as the ability that God gives him. So God gives him the ability that God in all things may be glorified. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. So in everything that we do as Christians, the fruits that He's given us, the life that He's given us, the what He has allowed us to have and be, and all those things should be pointing to glorify God. So our very work should be actually glorifying God. The fact that you can work, you're able to, your hands can function, your brain can think, all these things, that should actually be giving God the glory. Because it's not us, 
but it's him. It's him through his son who helps us to exhibit these fruits, which is an incredible truth. Now, uh, if you go back two verses before in Philippians 1, verse 9 and 10, Paul prays for love combined with knowledge and all discernment. All discernment. Insightful knowledge is something that must accompany love. We sang about love this morning. See, love is the lamp of knowledge. It illuminates knowledge. See, knowledge stops love from being superficial emotion and nothing more. Because, I mean, love can be superficial. It can be an emotional thing that we just uh, love you. We just throw those, that lovely word out there. But actually, um, knowledge in love stops that. Then when I say I love you, there is a true meaning in that I love you. That I will care for you. I will look out for you. I will tell you when I need to tell you what I need to tell you. And uh, there is love and it's done out of a love it is done out of a place of appreciating one another. This knowledgeable love can only happen as we continually just yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. As we continually just ask Him to help us be more like His Son. So that the Father can get the glory. Now, Philippians, uh, as I said earlier when I started, that it's a lovely book. Um, Michael Eaton, one of my favorite Bible teachers, would say this. He said that Philippians is probably one of the nicest books uh, in the Gospels. He, he would say that um, um, Philippians is most, probably one of the sweetest books. Yeah, sure, there's some areas where he calls people dogs. <laughs> but in all round goodness, it's such a beautiful book. He said, it's a sweet book. Now, this was a book that was written um, by Paul in prison, writing towards the uh, Philippians people. And I said that, man, the, he was encouraging the, the Philippians whilst he's in prison. And he is in prison because he was writing to the Philippians church. Now, and I said that if it was me. He was doing the. He was uh, in the Mediterranean coastline, and uh, he was preaching. Got arrested for the for preaching the gospel, and then he writes his encouragement to the Philippi church. And I said, if it was me who was arrested because I'm preaching the word of God, I don't think my words would be as sweet as Paul. It's so encouraging as Paul's, um, as you see in the book of um, in this beautiful book. But then we realize again that it's not him. It's not Paul. It has to be the Holy Spirit in Paul. I mean, how are you thrown into prison and then you're able to be encouraging others who are out and about, who are meeting like we're meeting this morning? How do I encourage you and I'm in prison? And tell you, you know, church, don't worry. You know, he who started a good work in you will continue it and you will bring it to completion. Yeah, how can I be so confident? I'm in prison. Oh, because God doesn't start something that he does not end up finishing. Uh, that has to be the Holy Spirit in him. And if that can happen to Paul in prison, it should happen to us too. That when things are 
inward, when things are looking as though they're haywire in our lives, that we can stand and still um, exhibit the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. That our, our self-control is closer to Jesus than, it, than, it, than not. And as we work it out, God gets the glory because of his goodness and his love upon us. See, um, love that we sang about this morning brings contact with Jesus. Love brings contact with Jesus. I said earlier that love is a supreme virtue of the Christian life. Fruit of the Spirit, starting with love, it binds everything together. You can do all, everything, all these good things, but without love, what is it? What are you doing? You just uh, clang and symbol, the word says in, in Corinthians. Clang and symbol. You're just doing stuff out of the fact that you can do stuff. But see, when we keep Jesus' love commands, he manifests himself to us. And the fruits of righteousness follow in our lives. And the reality is, for you and I as Christians, that end of everything is the glory of God the Father. The end of everything in our lives. Like I said, whether it's our work, our marriages, uh, uh, the way we raise our kids, everything is for the glory of God the Father. And in reality, what we should realize coming from this passage of Scripture is that if God does the doing in our lives, He gets the glory. God does the doing in our lives, he gets the glory. If we do the doing, we get the credit. Then it's us. Then we've done it in our knowledge, in our ability, in our, our cleverness. Now, whatever God has allowed us to have, then it's, it's us who's done it. But if God does the doing in our lives, he gets the glory. And you see, one of the saddest things in the family of God, in the Christian uh, life, is what they call arrested uh, spiritual development. So you, you saved again, and then you, you start growing, growing, and you hit a kind of a spiritual plateau. You, you, you don't go beyond that line. And... Um, then I've got to ask uh, us, what, what is the point of life then? What are we doing? Where are we going? So we are X age, we've got so many years left, and this is how life is going to be. At, at that ceiling level. There's no more. Really? I cannot, I cannot believe. Looking at the word of God, I cannot believe that. I cannot see that. Man, there has to be more. There has to be more. And it's not about us doing, doing, doing. It's simple. It's just us yielding to him. And as he allows us, he shows us, and we, 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 we do what he's called us to do. In faith, there's some things he'll call us to do that we, we know it's impossible. It's impossible. But he says in his word that he who has faith as small as a mustard seed can move, can ask that mountain to be moved. Mustard seed, they say, is very, very little. How? It's not even so much about the size. So, you know, we, in, in our upbringing, we understand, you've got to have faith. You've got to have big faith to make mountains move. 
No, no, Jesus says, you who has a faith as small as a mustard seed can tell that mountain to move. And guess what? It'll move. It's about the faith. It's about believing in him. It's about knowing that he is a God of the impossible and he can do anything that we 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 uh, don't like we we cannot see we cannot do in ourselves why because he then gets the glory he then gets the glory so um we hit the plateau we hit that ceiling and there we remain there we remain and I, that is not john ten ten. jesus says i have come so that you can have life and life in abundance. What is that abundance? It's not a plateau. It's not that there's no more. There's got to be more. He still allows us to be alive today. So there has to be much more for us to do. It's almost as though we need some spiritual vitamins. Why do we take vitamins? Because we are a little bit, you know, down. Man, we took those vitamins and they kind of make us... Uh, Kind of love again. We're able to do more than we could before. And this is what the, the Holy Spirit does to us. We, you've got to yield to Him. God, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm fear. Actually, help me. And He comes and just washes um, over you with His love and His truth and His mercy. And you're able to do much more than you expected you could do. You, you're able to move that mountain that looks so big in your life. But because you've got that little faith as a mustard seed, you're able to move in. And that faith is relying on him. He does the doing. If God does the doing, then God gets the glory. If we try to do the doing, then we get the credit. And what's the point? Well, then I say, go move the mountain yourself. Good luck. But actually, when you, when you look to God, then this thing looks impossible. Uh, man, you look to him and you say, God, this is impossible. Actually, I need you. And he helps you. And he moves it. And he brings in that thing that needs to be brought in that was impossible. And then guess what you do? You then give him praise and glory. As Philippians 1.11 says, Those things are through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God the Father. Can I pray for us?